Welcome to the Crack the MBA show. My name is Nupur Gupta and I'm your host for the show. Our guest today is Madhav Verma, who completed his first year from Fukuoka School of Business at Duke University recently. Prior to Duke, Madhav worked in financial services in various capacities. Currently, Madhav is interning with VMware as a senior financial analyst in the Bay Area. Hi Madhav, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hi Rupert, it's indeed a pleasure being here with you on the show and thank you so much for having me. Madhav, I know my introduction is super brief, does not really do justice to all the things you've been up to, so I think it'd be really helpful for our audience to hear a little bit about where you grew up, your college education and work experiences prior to Duke. So I I've been a Delhi boy through and through uh, grown up in Delhi. I've attended the undergrad program at IP University I'm an IT engineering major and straight out of the undergrad program I went to attend the master of management studies program at Fukuoka because I just wanted to pivot from core engineering to more business oriented role that's what I saw myself do went to the MMS program graduated from there in 2016 and from 2016 till the time I went back for my MBA last year I spent about four and a half years in investment banking and currently i'm at vmware as a senior financial analyst doing a bunch of things uh, i've been having a lot of exposure to the entire mna scenario here working on a lot of strategic finance projects and also getting some sort of operations experience so it's been very very exciting in terms of my work profile here in the bay area this summer very exciting thank you for sharing that madhav and we'll definitely be talking about your internship and internship search a little bit later before that if you could share a little bit about why you were looking to pursue an mba and why did you end up choosing duke well first answer why was i looking to pursue an mba what i realized was that just being in ib uh, i felt that i needed more of a broader business exposure because eventually my long term objective is that i have a family business to which i want to transition to So I realized that I needed a good amount of uh, width of knowledge so, so that I could eventually start contributing meaningfully to my family business. I realized an MBA will be meaningful in that regard to especially equip me with a broader business understanding and also help me deepen my network. Of course, I've already attended the program at Duke, but doing it the second time around, I've, I've gotten to know so many different people, and I have already fostered a lot of meaningful connections, which I think I can. tap into at some point in the future just to help me accelerate my family business and these internship experiences as well as whatever I'll be doing full time will definitely have a lot of correlation with what I look to do in the future within the business so it was majorly about just you know, broadening my business exposure and uh, building a more meaningful network i thought would be the main driver of me wanting to get an mba very helpful thanks madhav and why duke specifically as you'd already even been there first reason why i decided to be at duke was because one of the distinguishing characteristics of the mba at duke is that our first year is core year we have right where everybody just takes the same classes so i feel that that really helps one uh, foster deeper connections versus being in a program where you can start taking elective from the get go the second reason was I felt that Durham as a city is very conducive to community building because it is such a tightly integrated city that you just end up knowing each other so well, which would not have been possible had I been in a much larger city where I would just bubble in and bubble out of school. And then the third reason is being already there at Duke. It helps me at least get settled in very very quickly, right? So I don't need to take time to just find my bearings. 
And of course, you know, you can never regret the fact that you're coming home for the second time around, right? So, yeah, these were some of the reasons why I decided to just go back to Duke. Malav, can you share a little bit about the admissions process that you went through? What worked for you? What do you think you could have done better? And advice for prospective applicants? Certainly. So, interestingly, I was a, a re-applicant, and I think Nopra, uh, you've been very helpful in that regard of helping me structure my application much better the second time around. One thing which is definitely underrated is that personal connection you have to establish with each program you're targeting. And also seeing yourself contribute meaningfully in that classroom. That was something which I missed out in the first application. What I did was that in the reapplication, I made it a point to be there physically at Duke to attend a couple of classes just to see how I could contribute meaningfully in that classroom environment and also tie that in with a lot of my essays. That really convinced the admissions committee that I was genuinely not only interested in Duke, but I could also just add to the entire classroom scenario. So that is one thing I would recommend any applicant to look at, just seeing how you can thrive in that classroom environment and enrich that. Fair enough. You talked about being physically present, right? Visiting Duke. Now, that's not an opportunity that may necessarily be available for all applicants. So for applicants who don't have that option, would you have any advice for them to still be able to gauge fit and how they can contribute meaningfully? Sure. So one thing I would suggest is this trying to attend a lot of these uh, admissions events which happen in Delhi, for example, meeting the admissions team there, just ensuring that they register your faces. And from what I remember, at least back in the day, they used to have a lot of weekend executive classes where prospective applicants could come in and sit in a class. I don't know if that's still on offer, but if it is on offer and it is something which is feasible for applicants, I would highly recommend doing that because that really gives you a feel of what the entire classroom experience will be. Okay, and where does that happen? So that usually happens at Meridian because whenever there's like a global executive MBA residency in Delhi, right? Delhi is also one of the places where there is a residency offered. There are classes which are conducted at the Meridian. And at times they are open from what I at least recall. Okay, so like somebody can write into admissions and request to sit in. Correct. And I think sometimes those events are open. You can register for those online as well. Okay, that's really helpful. Thanks for sharing that, Madhav. What's something you wish you did prior to getting to business school? I would suggest that every prospective applicant has a clear understanding of what they want out of their career because people say that MBA is very conducive to career switches, but I realize that there are some industries, especially if you're looking at finance, where they prefer people having prior understanding at least or work experience ideally. So having some sort of advanced preparation, especially if you're looking at finance, is meaningful because I realized that I was caught off guard because some of these interview processes started very early on and uh, they were fairly, fairly technical. So, you know, just being prepared is very, very helpful and having a clear understanding of what you want to do. I, I would highly recommend every applicant to look into that. Okay, fair enough. When you talk about the interview process being fairly technical, so... Are you also then recommending that candidates or incoming students prepare for the interviews in advance as well? If any of the applicants are looking at investment banking, for example, or any high finance job, then yes, because some of these processes start as early as August and you pretty much just get into campus in August, right? So end August, there are some of these elite boutique investment banks which start the recruiting process very, very early on. 
and the level of technical questions they ask you is probably so far ahead of what you would have been exposed to right as somebody who's just wanting to get into ib that advanced preparation is important okay that's helpful so what kind of preparation can somebody do specifically if they're located in india first is just having an understanding of what ib is and also just trying to see what specifically you want to do in ib right that helps you drive conversations much better the second thing is that there are certain guides like wall street oasis breaking into wall street which have interview preparation so that is helpful and then the third thing is that of course second years are always a good resource to reach out to it's always advisable not to reach out to any bankers in advance and only start doing that once you're on campus it's better that you reach out to second years because uh, sometimes what happens is that if you shoot an email to a banker and it does not really resonate with them you're just cut from the process madhav are there also any courses like or any training programs like i know back in the day there used to be training the street i don't know if that's still around so training the street is offered when you're going to be all on campus or me talking to second year first years coming in and then uh, the other thing is that breaking into wall street is i think a very very good resource so uh, there are guides on offer from each of these it's highly recommended that one registers for these courses at least starts getting acquainted with the interview prep material but talking about your housing can you talk about where you live is it off campus on campus and generally what percentage of students live off campus versus on campus i would say at fuqua right all off campus 100% off campus and uh, predominantly about 50 to 60% of the people stay on 9th street which is where i am which is about a mile away from downtown i'm in station 9 and that's where a bunch of mbas stay i personally would suggest it's it's a nice place to be in a uh, 9th street but definitely it's extremely steep right now for what it offers so there are better options probably in downtown or even closer to campus there's a place called irwin road where there are three or four nice buildings which are 20 to 30% cheaper than 9th street those are some options people can explore but just to your question it's all off campus and one has to just figure out housing for themselves okay and that's something you did when you were in india yes that was something i did in, i was when i was in india and it's advisable that one starts looking into housing april onwards because uh, closer to date these just get sold out so quick understood and for 9th street generally what's the range of the rent monthly rent it depends so if you're looking at a studio apartment so i'm in a one bed one bath i'm not in a studio so a one bed one bath will be around $2000 a month in 9th street which is very steep two bed two bath if you're splitting it with a flatmate it's about 2400ish for two people so definitely there's a huge range and if you're looking at irwin road right which i was talking to you about earlier it's it's about 30% cheaper so you can find a one bed one bath for about 1500ish i guess can you talk about what living in durham is like tell us about the food scene going out you know what kind of activities one can engage in for fun yeah i can write a guide on that because i eat out every day so durham has a bunch of exciting places right there is lots to do looking at recreational activities there are places to go around but if you're looking at 
bars and nightlife there's a lot of options around uh, the downtown area you get every cuisine you want depending on whatever budget you have there's something on offer for everybody and outside of that even if you're looking at chapel hill right which is where unc is our crosstown rival there are a bunch of exciting places even there so i would say within a 20 minute drive you can just do whatever you want in terms of food and wining and dining so there's a lot to do in uh, durham and the best part is that again because you know it's such a tight knit community which was one of the reasons why i decided to come back to you you just find so many people who are excited to join you on a particular uh, trip if you're going somewhere or just hang out with you go out for dinner so that's what also really adds to the experience nice what are your top two or three favorite eating places one place i would highly recommend if people like korean barbecue is called soul grill which is in carry the second place i would recommend is a nice uh, spanish restaurant called mateo which is in downtown an excellent paella and sangria as well uh, the third place i would recommend is a nice bar which i think has recently opened up it's called corpse reviver the name is morbid but the place is not that bad they've got excellent cocktails and one of the best gin and tonics i've had great speaking about academics a little mother can you talk about you know some of the courses that you really enjoyed and your favorite professors so far one of my most exciting courses i think it's a professor called uh, professor mohan venkatachalam who leads that course a fantastic faculty member very very engaging delivery and that was one of my most favorite courses because it really helped me with my entire recruiting process as well because finance would need a technical understanding of accounting and the other course i really also enjoyed was uh, pe and vc which was led by uh, david robinson again highly recommended and i'm going to be taking another of his courses in the fall these are some of my top courses mother what would you say is a must do experience at bukwa so one is that i would highly recommend people to figure out a spring break plan that is something which i would highly recommend people to do because that way you really get to know so many more people you wouldn't have otherwise known so getting out of your bubble and comfort zone comes with that spring break destination it's usually uh, mexico pastures sometimes they also go to puerto rico the second thing is that you can't go wrong doing the entire uh, do basketball thing i would highly recommend people to do that because again it's not only about the basketball experience but getting to know so many different people can you talk about what you mean by that experience a little bit for folks who are not familiar with it just very briefly sure sure duke is a big big basketball school we've got one of the finest basketball programs in the nation right and what happens is that every year we have this entire camp out where people just put themselves in the draw to get access to the season basketball passes so back in the day in pre covid times people would actually have to camp out and then there would be random check-ins through the night only if you were able to complete these check-ins would you get the pass and that's where the entire team fuqua thinking comes into the picture right where you just rely on each other to help you complete those check-ins past year it was all virtual so there were a lot of virtual check-ins that said once you get access to the season basketball tickets you can attend most of the games and uh, that also gives you access to uh, the new qnc game on uh, home court and that is one of the most exciting things to do so that is one of the perks of the season basketball tickets and it costs you basically $300 to get a season basketball ticket but from what i hear they give up for like 3 4000 on the secondary market 
Wow. Other activities tend to be an important component of the MBA experience as well. Can you talk a little bit about what activities and or tracks you've been involved in? One of the most involving things I was involved in was the entire Wall Street track, right? Because I was heavily recruiting finance. It was extremely challenging to be prepared for all of these uh, interviews and seminars because a, a mock interview can also turn, or a coffee chat rather, can also turn into a full-blown interview. So that was what I really saw myself participating in. And just to give everybody a quick understanding of what the Wall Street track is, so for people who want to recruit investment banking, Wall Street track is basically all of these uh, big banks who come to campus and then uh, have in-person slash virtual last year events where they just try to pitch their bank and talk to you about their summer process and give you an understanding of what life would be like at the bank. And then uh, through that, you have contact points which are established for each bank, courtesy the roadmap they tell you about. And that's how you basically kick off the formal recruiting process. This happens usually somewhere in September. And this is banks visiting campus? Correct. All the banks visiting campus. Got it. And typically, how many banks are we talking about here? Close to 15 banks, all in all. Okay, and this all happens within like a week or two week period. So this this uh, this Wall Street track is spread over the entire week, right? It's okay. Monday to Friday. So, so you're meeting basically. fifteen bank representatives. Correct. It's, it's so these day. It's so these events last the entire day, and then it's split over oh. the entire week. Oh, so is it also that you're sometimes having to pick what events to attend if they're like happening concurrently? At times, yes. And that can also happen in the interview process because there are... Okay, so the way it works is that after you attend Wall Street Trek, you start making connections with bankers. Eventually, what happens is that close to December, there are uh, closed list dinners. At times, you might find yourself being in a position where there are two dinners being held in parallel, so you might have to pick and choose. That has happened. At that point, you're obviously automatically ruled out of one Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So that's at the... Career team is trying their best to ensure that there's no such conflict. Do people also visit New York or any other cities typically as part of the recruiting process for banking? Last year was again uh, an exception because it, we were still in the thick of the entire corona situation, right? So banks weren't really expecting people to be there in person, but there were a few banks which were open to that. And to be honest, when they said that they're open to that, they expect you to be there pretty much. So they might just tell you that, okay, will be fine even if you can't come here, but they expect you to be there. Okay, got it. So typically, how many times would somebody be expected to visit a bank to secure an internship? So I would say there's no sort of count on the number of times you have to be there, but just that whenever you have a meeting which is aligned, right? You have somebody who's willing to meet you. You've got to be there. I know people who've been to New York six to eight times over the course of two months. Oh, wow. And how, how do you get there from uh, Durham? You just fly down or you can drive. Driving down, driving down is like a seven-hour exercise. So if somebody's up for it, well and good. Otherwise, most people have just flown. So what makes most sense is that, you know, if you're there for a day, you just optimize the number of interactions you can have over that day so that you don't have to ideally come in the next time around. But Many times that doesn't happen. So you're expected to be there. What I could gather is that banking recruiting begins in August, as early as August. And then you have the Wall Street track in September. And and then October, November, I'm guessing you're doing those visits to New York. 
Correct. October through November. And uh, you pretty much have an idea of where you're at by end December because first week January is when they have the formal interviews. And then December is those closed list dinners. Yeah, December is just those closed dinners and, you know, whatever are the final coffee chats one has. I know you talked about the technical preparation for the interviews already. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? One thing is definitely there that, you know, whatever interests one lists on their resume, one should have genuine understanding of that because a lot of times these questions come up in interviews so if you write oh i love uh, football don't be surprised to chat with the interviewer on football and if you don't have that sorted it can spell a lot of trouble that's what i can say because i got grilled on some of my interests right because i i'm a huge watch collector i had conversations on watch collecting for 15 20 minutes and i just Tone that randomly, yeah, it would have ended up well for me. Can you also just briefly touch upon when the other industry employers arrive on campus? Talking about consulting, consulting and banking are usually done in parallel. So again, that's a note to all potential applicants. One ideally cannot just do both in parallel. Like you can't recruit consulting and banking together. It's impossible. And then tech is ad hoc. So it starts as soon as September, goes on till March, even beyond. I would say consulting, banking are largely running in parallel tech and even general management to an extent is ad hoc, goes on till just when one starts the internship. So from September till almost June, that's what I also hear people getting offers. Madhav, can you talk a little bit about your internship search? Did you secure it through on-campus recruiting? You know, what was the process like? And what obstacles did you face and how did you overcome them? Sure. So again, I was uh, initially recruiting investment banking very, very heavily. So I eventually got offers in in banks, which were not just uh, resonating with me in terms of the industry groups. And then I also was recruiting private equity. Again, private equity was ad hoc, so I didn't get location of my choice. So I ended up doing uh, tech. Because again, uh, long-term, my objective is to transition to my family business. And uh, that has a lot of overlap with whatever is happening in the tech world today, especially where I'm at, even in VMware. So I just ended up recruiting tech. And uh, again, for me, tech was also a very, very ad hoc experience, right? It was off-campus, my entire hustle. So again, in tech, uh, we do have on-campus recruiting that's majorly for uh, limited roles in some of the big tech companies. But then it's largely off campus if one is to look at tech recruiting. And it's just about hustling and putting in your resume wherever you can and reaching out to LinkedIn connections, introducing yourself, having conversations, seeking referrals. So that is how it went. And in my case, I would say I was just lucky enough that I dropped an application at the VMware portal, got invited for a bunch of interviews. And then that's how the entire process clicked for me. So that is probably an anomaly, but usually, you know, Fuqua alumni are extremely helpful, even helping you for the referrals across different tech companies. So that is the process I would recommend. And again, in tech, it is very important that one has an understanding of what industry they're specifically targeting, what role they're looking at, because uh, the interview process can be fairly grueling for tech as well. And you're absolutely expected to have at least a decent amount of understanding going into the role you're looking at. Madhav, you talked about reaching out to folks on LinkedIn and introducing yourself and all of that. So what advice do you have for people to 
have success with reaching out cold? That's a good question. What I would suggest is that if one is to reach out cold, it's it's a good understanding you need to have of the industry you're targeting and the role as well. Because one shouldn't be surprised if they're asked why this company, why this role even come up in like a coffee chat. And then it's it's always good to just know a little more about the interviewer where they were at before joining the company and then just weaving questions around their experiences accordingly. The other thing which I probably did wrong was that I used to over-prepare for a lot of these informal chats and ended up sounding robotic. So one just needs to go with the flow and just not be too worried about just being overly prepared in any of these, but for having a good understanding of the role and why you're looking at that company. Treat it as a good two-way conversation with an informed perspective. That's what I would recommend. And Madhav, given you have some understanding of tech roles, right? What tech companies recruit international students and for what roles? So uh, again, if we're looking at the large tech companies, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, all recruit at Fuqua for good range of roles, even when we're looking at internationals. For example, looking at Amazon, I know they recruit for PM roles. Uh, they recruit for business development roles. They recruit for finance and retail operations roles. So it's, I would say, evenly split. But then, of course, there are certain tech companies which don't sponsor internationals. And I don't exactly know which ones aren't currently sponsoring, but it's a gray area because, you know, in tech, nothing is set in stone. One company which is not sponsoring international one year can just do so the next year, depending on, the, on what their requirements are. It's unlike consulting slash banking where rules are set in stone. So I would say there are a good amount of options available for internationals. That's that's definitely a given. Okay. And for internships, are tech companies more open to recruiting international students? Like the smaller tech companies, that is, that don't generally sponsor visas. See, the thing is that if one is looking at startups, if that's what you're talking about, then one has to have an understanding that going back to one of those full-time with visa sponsorship might be a challenge. And then the second thing is that Again, with this entire funding freeze, right? One needs to be really open to the entire scenario of the internship offer being potentially rescinded. What do you mean by the funding freeze? Uh, what is happening is that there's a downtrend in uh, startups raising capital right now, right? With the entire micro and macroeconomic situation. So that is what I mean by the funding freeze. There is just bare minimal investments happening in startups because of which their hiring requirements have drastically gone down, right? They just are focusing on doing with whatever they have, streamlining operations, and just ensuring that their entire cash balance can last them longer so that they don't have to actively scout for capital. So because of that, again, uh, there have been cases where people's internship offers have been rescinded at the last moment. Not specific to Fuqa, but across other schools as well. For international students, mother, where do they generally end up in when, it, when we talk about percentages, like consulting, tech, banking? Specifically, if we talk about Indian students. We have about 30 to 40% going into consulting, 20 to 30% going to tech, and then the remainder is split between banking and general management and whatnot. For Indian candidates, are they getting recruited by bulge bracket investment banks? Yeah, so we have uh, some Indian candidates who've gotten recruited to bulge brackets and also some of the boutiques. So that is happening. It's, it's not that, you know, internationals are not successful at getting investment banking offers. That's fair game here. Madhav, can you also share a little bit about your internship? What What is it like working in tech? What skills do you need in your job? And 
how have your past experiences helped you? Sure. My internship experiences, I'm focusing on a bunch of different things that we are, we are currently getting exposure to this entire M&A scenario, looking at some uh, strategic finance projects, also looking at some sort of projects where there's operations thrown in. So it's, it's a wide array of experiences I'm getting. And uh, in terms of past experiences helping me with tech, I would say you know, having that finance background definitely comes into the picture, especially if you're looking at this entire M&A situation slash uh, strategic finance involvement. So having that really is meaningful. And outside of that, what I would also say is that so tech, again, uh, in terms of work-life balance, that probably is one of the best industries you can look at because at VMware, from what I see, is that people just come in at nine and are out by five, irrespective of whatever role they're in. And the, the company is extremely focused on ensuring that employees have a very, very sound work-life balance and go to whatever extent possible to do that. And the other thing is that, of course, tech compensates you extremely well, I would say, right? It probably, if you're looking at the past two years, especially when uh, the economy was in the bull run, with the stock options thrown in, tech was paying you way harder compared to consulting or banking in some cases. And then lastly, what I would also say is that there's no typical day for me, right? I have two projects which I'm working on, and it, it largely is left to my own self as to how am I structuring those two projects and what kind of milestones do I want to set for myself? So in that sense, you know, it's you actually driving a business. So that gives me a very, very good flavor for things to come, especially if I'm looking at scaling up my own family business and just having a good understanding of processes and operations, which I would say have been very, very helpful learning experiences, some of which I can apply going back into my family business at some point in the future. Adav, what advice do you have for people who are interested in working in tech? post MBA, but they don't have prior tech experience and they also don't have technical degrees like engineering. The good thing which I've seen in tech is that it is fairly conducive to career switchers as well. So what I would say is that if uh, one is looking at a tech role, it's ideally a good thing if one has an understanding of what kind of tech role they want. Because tech is such a widely used term that it is extremely important to be specific, right? And that really helps you also in your interview process, narrow down the companies one is targeting have more meaningful conversations around that as well. And also once one starts working full-time, right, or even in the internship, having an understanding of the industry is helpful in just making life easier for oneself, right? Tech is fairly conducive to career switchers, so not having a technical degree is not a hindrance of any sort at all. Because I don't know a lot of people who had pure commerce degrees, but you know they've gone into tech roles where there is nothing in common with their degree, but they've still been able to make that transition. Do you recommend that such students pursue any coursework or do any kind of preparation in advance? They should read up whatever tech journals possible, stay up to date on industry trends. Read about when you talk that... about tech journals, like, can you give me a, an example, if at all you might be aware? So one thing I can just very, very simply say is that if, for example, any candidate is looking at a specific tech company, right? One can just start going through you know, their quarterly earnings or recent annual reports and just trying to get an understanding of what business trends that company is going through. That is one uh, very, very simple thing an applicant can look at versus going through any advanced tech journal. 
because that really gives you a flavor of you know whatever are the underlying things happening in tech with respect to that company and also that gives you a good understanding of where the industry is headed and of course you know through those understandings one can start then looking more in depth into certain specific areas and in terms of more in depth resources a lot of investment banks also publish equity research reports or industry coverage reports and then there are consulting firms like Deloitte or KPMG which also come up with such reports and those are extremely helpful so you can just go high level looking at the annual report and then go more in depth looking into one of these reports from a consulting company or a bank that's what i mean madhav speaking a little bit about fuqua now how would you describe fuqua to somebody who's not really able to get a good sense based on the website because a lot of times you visit different schools as websites they all start seeming similar and merge into each other so for you what exactly is it that differentiates fuqua and the core spirit if you may so if you talk about what actually differentiates fuqua which is not captured on the website i would say authentic engagement you know one of the things which fuqua highly advocates is something which is real right because here you see that people are actually so genuinely involved in helping each other succeed like anything else right like nothing else rather for example one might be recruiting for investment banking competing for the same spot as another classmate of yours right and you will still see that classmate helping you with whatever interview questions they were asked in the actual process fully knowing that giving these questions away might just cost them their internship spot i've seen that happen first time right with a lot of friends of mine and for sure this is not something which you can see easily in other schools that is the level of selflessness people have in terms of helping each other out so that is something which i would say sums up my entire experience that people are so genuinely interested in helping each other succeed and are so concerned about each other's welfare as well and you can see that not only when you're in school but even once one graduates people are just out there willing to help each other beyond what i have seen with friends of mine from other schools authentic engagement is real let me put it that way madhav if you could dispel one myth or misconception about fuqua what would that be fuqua typically was not seen as a very strong finance school but this year we've had about 60 investment banking uh, candidates and all of them have landed up with an offer and usually at you know one of the bulges or an elite boutique so i would say people saying that fuqua is not a very tight finance school i think the numbers speak to themselves any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for prospective applicants or incoming students i would just say that you know once one starts researching schools it's important to have touch points with the admissions committee just to not register your face but also show that one is genuinely interested i've seen here in person that the school really cares about yield right that is something which we all know but when they actually see people are genuinely committed to a school that can really sway a decision and i think those touch points are absolutely critical and then the other thing which i was suggesting was just recapping what i said earlier one should have a good understanding of the kind of industry one is targeting so that it really makes the entire recruiting process much more seamless because as people might say especially for internationals that entire thing that an mba is most conducive to a career switch might not be that applicable so it's it's a good idea that one really has 
some sort of industry connection or has a good understanding of the role they want to look into so that there's nothing which catches one unaware. With that, I've reached the end of the questions. I wanted to ask you, Madhav, I really, really, really want to thank you for such helpful advice and for sharing your insights in everything so selflessly. No problem. Appreciate that we had this conversation and happy to help in any way possible. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Crack the MBA show. I look forward to seeing you again next week with our next guest. Do not forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify and YouTube. Thank you and bye-bye.